you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Divisional round is here. Welcome to Good Morning Football. We are live in New York City. Happy Thursday, January 20th. My name's Kay Adams. Peter Schrager. Kyle Brandt is here. And Super Bowl champion Michael Robinson hanging out with us Always. today and, to- and tomorrow. Yes. Okay, good. Yes. we got to make picks. I know. That's going to be tough. You ready? I'm ready to do okay. it. You ready already? I'm always ready. Three of those are going to be really statement. tough for Emrah. Yeah. One of them, not so much. Yeah, these, I mean, listen, these are tough ones. There's a sneaky Not the Buffalo play. Bills one. Really? They're playing at Kansas City the on the road. I don't you know care. I don't <laughs> care. They have Josh Allen. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Good job. We had a big yeah. show. Ryan Leaf on the program. CJ Uzama is stopping oh. by. Michael Buffer, a friend of the show, joining us as really? well. Yeah, lots to get to. AJ Hawk. We'll be part of our program. You guys AJ? can tweet the show, mm-hmm. yes, at GMFB. We have some fun things you might not have seen that we're going to show you throughout the show today. So keep it right here uh, as we get set for the throwdown round. It's time for Lee Block. Lee Block. Let's get ready to uh, talk football. <laughs> the Rams have a tough task on Sunday facing this guy, Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers. This one in Tampa. Here is what Coach Sean McVay had to say to his uh or to the press, I guess, about his team's mindset days before squaring off against the GOAT. I think it's tremendous respect, but not fear. As a competitor, you know, he he is a great, phenomenal player. We have tremendous respect for him, but we're going to have the uh, expectation and anticipation that we're preparing to try to go win this game. And so we know what a great challenge it's going to be. We've got to have a great week of work and and then uh, go play to the best of our ability and let the chips fall where they may. Respect, love, reverence, of course those things exist. But the last time Sean McVay and the Rams went up against Brady, the last two times they came I mean they came away with a win week three of the season back week eleven of last season mm. as well. So what do these Rams need to do to defeat Tom Brady three times in a row, which seems like a tough task. That trick, yeah, that's amazing. Um, see this? This is a Microsoft Surface. You got to get Tom Brady throwing this. <laughs> <laughs> Just see this right here? Just chucking it on the sideline like, like he did against the Saints. <laughs> yes. That's the secret. <laughs> and uh, I think there's four guys who do it. It's very simple. The Rams are made up of all these superstars, and Odell and Jalen and Stafford and great. But it's these four guys. This is very, very simple. The four sack leaders for the Los Angeles Rams. Aaron Donald, you know him, folk hero. Leonard Floyd, one of his problems in Chicago was he couldn't put on weight because he was too ripped. That was an actual thing. Von Miller, chicken enthusiast. Legend, we'll get to him in a second. And Big Greg Gaines. That's a 300-pounder, a third-year guy. He's the other guy next to Donald. They have to get after Brady. I, I'm trying to think, guys, especially in the Von, Von Miller example, I can't think of a lot of times in Brady's career that he's lost shootouts. It doesn't happen a ton. You know, normally it's it's the defensive line. It's these guys. It's Von. It's doing this. You think he lost the shootout against Nick Foles in Philadelphia. And I don't want that happening today in Los Angeles because I don't. I think typically these shootouts are lost when someone makes a big mistake. Like in that Eagles game, Brady finally fumbled and they lost. 
I don't think if you're a Matt Stafford guy, as much as we celebrate his win last week, I don't think you want him going toe-to-toe against Brady waiting for someone to make a mistake. I think you want Vaughn and you want Donald and you want hitting him and hitting him and hitting him. This game, you remember, is almost an iconic game in the Brady lore. Vaughn had an interception in this game. You basically took it over. I think that you got, you didn't bring in Von Miller so you could win in the wild card round. I think you brought him in so you could win games like this. As much as I love Stafford and the offensive guys, it's plays like that and winning a game 17 to 14 to beat Tom Brady, not 38 to 35. I think the front four has to dominate or I don't have a chance. Yeah, there's no mystery about how you defend Tom Brady. How do you get after him? There really, you have to. You got to drop as many guys in the coverage as you can, and your front four, or your three, if you're only rushing three, they have to get the they have to get to Tom Brady and they have to hit home. In the first matchup, uh, what was it, week week three um, of this of this season, what they did was Raheem Morris had a great uh, plan. He just basically sat at a certain amount of yards and let the front four just go eat. And Tom Brady had to throw the ball, what, 55 times or something like that. That's a lot of times to be throwing the football. But a way that the Rams can just establish themselves and win this game flat out, establish the run game, establish the line of scrimmage. And I've been seeing that from this Rams offense over the last, I don't know, five or six weeks of the regular season. Sonny Michelle's touches have went up. You saw Cam Akers uh, in a great return last week, actually returned week 18, but he got more carries last week and he had fresh legs. All of those things. See, in, the, in that week three matchup, Matthew Stafford went empty. They didn't run the football as much. They only had 76 rushing yards. And you got to understand the nature and the style of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Mm-hmm. They don't want to give up a blade of grass. They, they pride themselves and stopping the run. So what you do, you show them to run a few times, right? You, you you get four and five yards when you when when you when you uh, run the football, so you can force those safeties to come to the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and then totally change up the game plan and go play action and be explosive. Because I think this Rams offense is more explosive now than when they beat them in mm-hmm. week. Really? With yes, Sean Jackson and Woods out well, there. Well, because I, I just think Odell is a better receiver. Yeah. He's not a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Deshaun yeah. Jackson could only go deep, and mm-hmm. still Stafford missed him two times. I mean, he could have had two or three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Yeah. Um, so Raheem Morris is the defensive coordinator of the Rams, and he's got this great responsibility. How do you stop Gronk? How do you stop Mike Evans? I find it fascinating, the storylines here, that 11 years ago, Raheem Morris was the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the head coach of the team at 32 years old and was given that opportunity, and now has to construct a game plan and is now interviewing for a head coaching job and has to go and beat his former team now as a defensive coordinator as another team. And I think that they have the the ingredients. I think they have the ingredients. Kyle, you nailed it. There is a plan on how you beat Tom Brady defensively. You send the dogs. But also, you got to stop the run. And that is what they did last time. Take a look at the rushing leaders the last time these two teams played. Brady. Brady, 14 yards on the ground. And hey, Ronald Jones, we don't know if he's going. Fournette, we hope he's going. We don't know. This might be Le'Veon Bell and Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard. And if it gets to be that, you're going to let Brady have to throw all over. I don't see Brady winning this game if he has to throw all over you. I'll add in two more points Hmm. that I think are huge. Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen. Mm -hmm. We don't know if they're playing. Today's practice for, for the Buccaneers is going to be so important. If they're not out there for the Thursday practice, yeah. I have great concerns about, hey, Friday practice and then get ready Saturday with a walkthrough and then Sunday game mm-hmm. against Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Leonard mm-hmm. Floyd, Greg Gaines, the guy you mentioned. I, 
I honestly think that those two players, not Gronk, not Evans, yeah. not Fournette, are the most valuable players to Brady this week. Mm. If they have them, mm-hmm. Wirfs and Jensen, mm-hmm. let's go. If they don't, this could be a long day for Brady. He's mm. concerned about Wirfs. You said it. He was pretty transparent about it, too. I mean, those running numbers are crazy. Yesterday, you're they only like, had nine you go, Leonard Fournette got hurt in that game. I go, no, he didn't. We talked about it. And we're like, what happened in this game? And they just abandoned it, and it obviously didn't work out for them. To go back to your Odell thing, I agree with you. I think he's going to have to have a huge game. Cooper Cup will do his thing, but he's not their shot guy. We saw it brilliantly in week 18. Odell, a more well-rounded wide receiver. Uh, I don't know if they win that first matchup if, you know, they don't have Deshaun Jackson out there. I, I, I think I feel, I feel good in saying that. They need someone they can go too deep. Now, this is also where Matthew Stafford makes mistakes. So you can say you don't want Brady to throw shakes. I think he's going to throw. I think it is going to be lots to Mike Evans, lots, lots to Gronk like we saw even just last week. He is a big play waiting to happen. Can he make that big play and can Stafford get him the ball? Because I think it's going to come down to an Odell Beckham, brilliant addition to the team. It's all worked, but I think it's it's on Odell to be that guy and give that team uh, that option. And I think and I think uh, Odell will be able to do it. I mean, yeah. you just look at the way Sean McVay uses and deploys um, uh, Odell Beckham. He puts him on one side, the back side of a three-by-one, puts Cooper Cup on the inside on the other side. Mm-hmm. And you literally, you can see it on tape, you split the defense in half. Mm-hmm. Both of those guys require two sets of eyes on them. So you literally split the split the defense in half, and then you can game plan to get other guys open. I think it's going to be a great I'll, chess match. I just last week the Eagles come into Philly and mm-hmm. into Tampa, and we made this whole thing about the Eagles can run. They they looked like they were a little bit. It was too big for the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like that one was just Jalen. I don't think the Rams are scared mm-hmm. of Brady, which I think is a huge place of, to be mentally going into that. And from there, they'll play football. But there's not going to be this 10-point, hey, we'll spot you 10 because you're just scared of Brady, mm-hmm. the big bad wolf. Like, that doesn't exist with this They're team. not afraid of Brady. No. At GMFB with your thoughts. Great. Mike Garofalo joining us right now. Easy. Mike, uh, right here in New York, the Giants, they are looking to fill that general manager vacancy. Dave Gettleman retiring and walking away. Uh, also, their head coach spot open. Where are they in that search? Well, they've begun the head coaching search, Kay Adams, by requesting Dan Quinn, the former Falcons head coach, now the uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator. So what does that tell you? Well, go back to what John Mara and ownership have said over the last uh, week plus, and that is that the new general manager will oversee coaching. Well, they don't have a new general manager yet. They are in the process of conducting their second round of interviews. Uh, Ryan Poles from the Chiefs went yesterday. Joe Shane from the Bills the day before. Uh, And today it will be Adam Peters from the 49ers. Now, I was told there's a possibility there could be a fourth general manager interview, but we don't know of that uh, officially just yet. So the Giants are winding down the GM interview. So the fact that they are already lining up Dan Quinn tells you that that is a common candidate amongst the general managers that they have spoken to already. So they're going to move on Quinn, who's got other options and can take a job now because his team is out of the postseason. The Giants want to get their card in and say, hey, we would like a dance as well. So that's what's happening with the Giants right now. There will be more head coaching candidates to come, but they want to make sure that they get in with Quinn, who is, again, a guy that all their candidates seem to agree on is a candidate for their head coaching job. He is one of the most recognizable voices in all of entertainment, in all of the world. He's a living, I can't do it. He's a living <laughs> legend. He's a man who gets us all ready to rumble. How excited are we for this one? Ladies and gentlemen, a big good morning football welcome to Mr. Michael Buffer. What's up, Michael? Hey. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Kyle. 
Appreciate uh, that. Thank you. We are so excited to have you. And thank you on behalf of all of us for that unbelievable Angry Runs introduction you did this week. It had a sh- it shot out of a cannon. Yeah, we know been. you're a big how fan of Angry Runs, which is amazing. Michael, thank mm. you. And let's put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite angry runner in this NFL season? Who you got? Yeah, you know, I, I probably would say because he's, he's won two scepters that uh, Najee Harris would be my man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for the year for 2021. I mean, he's the two time winner, right? But this week, instead of angry runs, you had angry round. And the guy that just blew me away because he threw TJ Watt down like raggedy Andy turned around, caught a touchdown. (laughs) Nick Allegretti from the Kansas City Chiefs. And, And what really captured my heart, there was this moment where. He turned and did a victory run, and it only lasted one second because his teammates all ran in and grabbed him. And it reminded me of when Rudy ran onto the field to get into the kickoff lineup. <laughs> and, he, and he's pumping his fist as he runs into the field. And uh, Allegretti had that same move and that same look just for one second. I thought, yes. oh, my God, I could hear the music playing. You know, it was, uh, it was a great moment. But uh, – uh, Najee probably gets it for the year, but uh, my heart goes out to Nick Allegretti for you know scoring a touchdown and having that great moment. <laughs> Allegretti, Allegretti, Allegretti. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> we have two hours left of the show, but we can hang it up. That was the best answer we've ever had to a question. You even saying Nick Allegretti's name with the way you say it is so beautiful. Allegretti. Allegretti. You've done a lot of announcing for football games over the years as well. And here I am, Monday Night yeah. Football. We're all sitting on our couches. And there's the man with the voice, Michael Buffer, doing the Rams pregame for the team's first home playoff game at SoFi yeah. Stadium. What was that like for you, and what was the atmosphere in the building? That was the third time I did it for the Rams this year. And I, I've got to tell you, Peter, that was what was really nice about it was they were red hot. The Rams fans packed that stadium. Now, a lot of times, you know, we've all seen this through the years with the Rams. Uh, they were in the Coliseum. They went to Anaheim. They went to St. Louis. And they had big crowds in St. Louis. But here in L.A., when the visitors get all these cheers and uh, they score a touchdown, it's like, where is this really L.A.? But they turned out, they turned out red hot. They were loud. They were vocal. I, I could hear it when I did my thing in the beginning of the game before the kickoff. And uh, it, it was really exciting. And that stadium, wow. I don't know if you've been there yet, but man, that is one fantastic place <laughs> to watch a game. You know, I, I, I love AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play. I've worked there many times. Great stadium, the big the big board in the middle with the TV screen, but uh, SoFi and the Super Bowl is going to be there. So it, it's a great place to go to. And it's great to see the Rams fans turn out. I went once. It's so much stimulation. It's amazing. Michael, good morning. Thank you for being here. You are an absolute legend, and I'd be remiss to say good morning. You and I worked together. Uh, It was incredible to watch you in the ring, and you were always so supportive of me. I moonlighted, covering boxing, didn't know what I was doing. Michael had no reason to be nice to me. I was avoiding of blood and spit in the ring with you, and you were so incredible to me, so I will forever be indebted to you. Thanks.
Appreciate it. You're welcome. (laughs) Let's talk about uh, your Twitter. We were scouring it, and I saw an interesting take that you had uh, earlier this season that caught my eye. You suggested the Eagles use offensive tackle Jordan Mailata, who we love on the show, (laughs) as a fridge-style running back. I'm all for this. I follow your Twitter. But tell me why you think this would work out well for the Eagles. You know, here's the thing. Um, there's a, uh, an Eagle, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan, born and raised in Philly and everything. So mm-hmm. I always follow uh, Bleeding Green Nation. It's a fan website. And they posted a clip of 19-year-old Jordan Milata running through, in, in rugby, playing rugby, never played football, running through the entire field like a, a Ford F-150 in a grammar schoolyard. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Oh, you, you got it there, yeah. I mean, the guy, yeah. he's a stud. He's fast. He probably weighs 30, 40 pounds less there. But look at him, 19 years old. Oh, my God. It just was unbelievable. <laughs> so it made me think, why don't, you know, it just seems like the coaches are married to these certain plays, the quarterback sneak, whatever. Yeah. If you put a lineman back there or a tight end, a running back in the same set, maybe a, a weird eye formation or whatever, especially with the Eagles. <laughs> If it, is Jordan going to get the ball? Is Hurts going to keep it and go behind Jordan? Is the running back going to go behind Jordan? I mean, that guy's going to make a hole and you're going to score a touchdown. That My thoughts only, but uh, it's just, I don't know why more teams don't do it. The Fridge did it, and he became a big superstar. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Mr. Buffer, uh, first of all, a uh, great name, Michael Buffer. Michael is an <laughs> awesome name. And you should probably throw your name in the hat for head, head coach and offensive coordinator opportunities, mm-hmm. man. I mean, that offense you're describing, I lost state championships to it. It's called the Whirly Bird. It's a real <laughs> offense. So uh, you need to think about coaching one day. But let's get real. Like your trademark phrase, let's get ready to rumble. It's iconic. What are the origins behind the phrase? You know, Michael, great name, by the way, Michael. Um, The thing is, (laughs) when I first started 40 years ago uh, in my middle to late 30s, uh, it was the electronic age. And fighters were coming to the ring with the music and a a DJ in the house sometimes. And and just the crowd gets excited. They anticipate things. They have TV screens. They're seeing everything. The lights dim. The lights come up. And the ring announcers, somewhere along the line, it started in the the TV era, where the ring announcers had to introduce the entire commission. Then if it was one of these uh, mega fights with the WBC and the WBA and the IBA, we had to introduce their president and their supervisor and four doctors and three judges. And it killed the crowd. I mean, it just like took all the air out of the room after all that energy and excitement. So I wanted something that would be a hook, like uh, the famous gentlemen start your engines at the Indy 500. Well, 450,000 people go crazy. And I was blessed to actually do that one time, too. And, it, you know, I tried to, uh, ladies and gentlemen, fasten your seatbelts. And it was like, <laughs> you know, not, nothing, nothing was happening. Or, um, what was oh, I tried to man your battle stations. And, uh, you know, that just <laughs> wasn't happening. I like that one. And, you know, yeah, oh, thanks. And the greatest of all times, <laughs> Muhammad Ali, used to be at the weigh-in and in, in, in any uh, press conference. I'm so pretty. I'm ready to rumble. Rumble, young man, rumble. So that word was out there. Mm. And I, I, I don't even know. It just started to say, let's get ready to rumble. But I used to say, let's get ready to rumble. 12 rounds of boxing in the heavyweight. I, you know, I, I didn't. Yeah. 
And this this really good friend of mine, the late Jody Berry, used to open for Ella Fitzgerald and supper clubs, which were really popular in the 50s and early 60s. And one night we're having a couple of drinks and he's like, and this guy, it was great. He was old time Hollywood with the Clark Gable mustache. And and he told me, he said, Michael, when you say let's get ready to rumble, shut the up. And I'm like, because people want to react to it. I mean, he knew about stage presence and show business and timing. And I tried it. I, you know, I took a few seconds off after saying, let's get ready to rumble. And the crowd reacted. And that way I knew I could pass that on to the, the stars of the show, the fighters. That's, that's what I wanted was to bring that energy back to the crowd. And, you know, I've been blessed with being able to do it for the world series and Stanley cup finals and NBA finals. And, uh, Maybe someday a Super Bowl. A lot of playoff games, but not we'll a see. Super Bowl yet. So We'll see. There is one in uh, SoFi this year. Uh, Michael, we've got only yeah. less than a minute left. We've got yeah. two very physically fit, strong, proud men here at the table. Mm. Not me. Um, Kyle Brandt and Michael Robinson. And we would like a favor. Would you introduce... Yeah, and introduce maybe a fake fight between Kyle and Michael Robinson in 30 seconds with the Michael Buffer treatment. Can you please give us one for Good Morning Football? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event sanctioned by the NFL Network. It's the Tiger versus the Lion. Introducing first, fighting out of the blue and white corner, wearing Niners gold and red, official weight, 241 pounds. His history... He was a tailback, a quarterback, a running back, a receiver, even a, a, a fullback from Richmond, Virginia, Penn State, the Niners, and the Super Bowls, Seahawks. He is Burton Michael, the Nittany Lion Robinson. <laughs> and his opponent fighting out of the orange and black corner, wearing the Stevenson High School T-shirt to show off his guns, weighing in. At 201 and one quarter pounds, his history, the all-time rusher at Stevenson High School. He was the starting running back for the Princeton Tigers for three years. And their kick returner found out he was too pretty to stay in pro football. So he became an MTV star on the real world. Then, on the days of our lives, like the sands of the... Oh, forget about that. Anyway, on to the Jim Rome Show. The N- pardon me, the CBS Network. And then, and now... The NFL Network. Good morning, America. This is the whole wiki. He is Kyle, the Tiger. Brown. Let's get ready. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. We got the buzz. Nobody does it better than that. Let's go, buzz. Yeah. Woo. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to really fight. Yeah. I was a little worried you guys were going to want to. Thanks, Michael. You're the best. You're an icon. Thanks, we love guys. you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my God. Stay safe, stay wealthy. Good luck to your Eagles. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Burrow catches a shotgun snap, drops back, guns it into oh, the end zone, baby, into a thicket, baby, yes. where it's caught yes. for the touchdown! Yes. Nice. C.J. Uzama in the middle of defenders, hauling in that line drive throw from Joe Burrow. Let's go, baby! Let's go! I could not love our next guest more. He is in his seventh season in Cincinnati, hard to believe, and he was crucial and huge in the Bengals' takedown of the Raiders last weekend during the wild card round. Please say good morning, football, and welcome to Bengals tight end, CJ! What's up, CJ? What's up, CJ? Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We're always so excited to see you. Uh, I wish I could be in Nashville to watch this game, but we got to start with the scene in Cincinnati. Home fields, such a great crowd. It was last Saturday. You broke that 31-year drought. What was the mentality heading into that one, and, and just what did it feel like after? Yeah, you know, I think the main thing that we focused on all week was the fact that we had kind of been in this situation before. You know, when we were playing the Chiefs, when we were playing kind of some of the later games, we, we in our mind, thought that these were playoff games and they had playoff implications. And, you know, we had a, we got a young team, so they don't really think too much about the moment. They don't, they're not thinking the moment's too big or anything like that, which is nice. And we're playing loose. So uh, that was the main, that was the main point of emphasis. Just play loose, you know, have fun, you know, play within ourselves and, and go out there and get the dub. You're always loose, man. That's why we love you. We root for you. You're a great player and you're such a fun personality, which is why we were thrilled, CJ, when you scored your first career postseason touchdown in that game and right on cue you celebrated by hitting the legendary icky shuffle it was beautiful and so was icky woods himself appearing on this network this week with some things to say about your tribute take a listen (laughs) cj Oh, man, I loved it, man. I loved it, you know, just to see him get out there and pray, pay homage to me and then throw his little extra little bit in at the end, man. I Oh, I was in the stands. I was going crazy, man. We had a wonderful time. What you call this the icky gritty, I guess? Like put them yeah, all together? Yeah, the gritty, gritty, gritty at the end. <laughs> He said he had a wonderful time. Two questions. What's it like to hear that from a Bengals legend? And should you get in the end zone this weekend, what do you got planned? Mm. Uh, no, that's that's huge. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. I kind of wanted to pay homage to him. And I knew he was the royal of the jungle. And I thought that'd be kind of cool to do and throw your own little spin on it. Um, the execution was eh, so-so, but I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun <laughs> idea. Um, and then this week, I don't know yet. It, it, I, I, I figure it out, you know, in the hotel bed the night before, I'll just think of something and be like, all right, that sounds good. Let's just let's just pull this out. There you go, man. I, I like the footwork, man. The footwork was awesome. I was like, look at CJ doing his thing, man. But look, in, in all seriousness, let's talk about your leader and quarterback, Joe Burrow. He's been balling all season. Um, when asked about the wild card win yesterday, he said he was trying to downplay it because that's the new normal in Cincy. Now, CJ, what do you think about those words coming from your leader? And is there more work to be done? 
You're talking about Joe Brr with the glasses on after the oh, oh, after the oh, hey, yes. Come on now. Yes. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, hey, Joe's Joe's cool. Joe's a cool customer out there. And and he's right. You know, that's that's the standard right now for us is is winning these games and putting ourselves in, in a position to to win the Super Bowl. So he uh, you know, after after the game, we were in the locker room, people were kind of celebrating, and he was just like he was business as usual. He was taking his pads off. Mm. No cigar for him this time. No nothing. Just, hey, we're on to the next one. And you love that. You love seeing that out of your quarterback. You know, hey, look, we, we want a playoff game. That's all fine. But that's not that's not what we signed up for at the beginning of the season. So um, I love it. I love seeing that out of him. 31 years this fan base has waited. And after the win last weekend, your head coach, Zach Taylor, started a pretty cool tradition. He brought game balls to Bengals fans at local bars, and they were unexpectedly surprised to see their head coach, their punter, Kevin Huber. You then were tasked with delivering a ball yourself to a bar called Walt's Hitching Post in Fort Wright, Kentucky. What was that experience like for you, and what do you think of this new tradition of delivering game balls to the fans after Big Bengals wins? I think it's awesome. Uh, one, since Zach kind of, since Coach kind of threw me under the bus last last week with the, uh, with or last time I was on with our little Jeopardy, he got ID'd when he went to that bar, by the way. Um, oh, wow. So that, you, you got to kick that out. Awesome. Um, Seriously? But, but it, was, it was great. It was great. Um, you know, they, they teared up a little bit. They ended up sending me flowers yesterday just to say thank you and a, a nice note. But, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome to get the city involved. Um, you know, they had our back. We had 66 plus thousand strong in the stadium, in the jungle. So uh, I think it's awesome. A nice little tradition. There's going to be a lot of game balls passed around the city for years to come. Uh, continuing continuing right now, this week, hopefully. So, um, yeah, I, I'm hyped. I think that's, uh, that's a cool thing you started. It was a huge advantage. Of course, Waltz, I hear, a great place. It's on my list of places to go to uh, when I'm in Cincinnati next. Now, Saturday is a big game when you won't have a ruler of the jungle and you won't have a home crowd and it's the one seed that's rested. What are you focused on the most heading into this game? Because you seem, I like the vibe you're giving off. I like where your head's at. Yeah, you know, I think the main thing in these playoff games, especially if you're on the road, is no penalties, no costly penalties and no turnovers. I think if we start that way and, and kind of establish ourselves physically, you know, this to me and to us as a team, this is going to be a division game, essentially. Right. You know, they're, they're a big, tough mm-hmm. team. They pride our, th- themselves on being physical. And that's us to a T. Right. You know, this is this is uh, this is postseason football to, to a T. And this is kind of what we want uh, to, to go against. So, yeah, I think we start fast. We don't have any penalties and we win a turnover battle. I think, you know, we should be in a great position to win the game and, and kind of establish establish ourselves early and try to get the crowd out of it. CJ, so let's get this straight. There's some bouncer who says, all right, so you just won a playoff game, first time since the 90s, you're head coach of the Bengals, but what street do you live on and what was your date of birth? Recite that for me. That's how that went down? They, 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 they parted this guy? Look, look, I, I'm at Waltz and Kevin sends me a text and says, you won't believe that coach just got just got ID'd at MLTs. And I'm sitting here like, there's no way. There's no way that just happened. I mean, it's, it's, are you after this game? Are you serious? Um, the moment was too big for that bouncer. He, he wasn't paying attention, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
CJ, we love you here at the table. Wishing you all the best on the road in Nashville to get past that one seed. And you just said Super Bowl. I'm so excited. And for everything with the future of this team and Joe Burrow. So go crush it. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. It is our guy, AJ Hawk. What's up, AJ? Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. A big fan of the show. So uh, you guys do great work. Big fan of you. You do great work. Let's jump right into it. AJ, incredible round of playoff games coming up. We got Bengals, Titans, Niners, Packers, Rams, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs. When you look at the slate of games, AJ, where's your mind go? What has you excited this weekend? Well, I spent nine years in Green Bay playing for the Packers uh, with that uh, that quarterback over there that's pretty good, Aaron Rodgers. So I'd say the Packers game is the, the first one I think of that I, I go to Saturday night. I think it's going to be amazing. Uh, hopefully it's below zero, maybe some snow flurries. That would be awesome to see. But I'm really, really excited to see how the Packers look coming off that bye week, see how Aaron's toes is going, and also how some of these uh, some of these guys that are finally getting healthy, what they look like when they get in there and they get some reps here in the playoffs. Yep. Uh AJ, you were on a show with Pat McAfee, the show of note for ruining interviews of Aaron Rodgers. And you, of course, have him on on Tuesdays, and you did. Uh, I want to talk to you about the MVP conversation. He obviously deserves it, and he's in the race. Do you think he'll get it without a doubt this year? I don't know without a doubt if uh, it's, you know he's going to run away with it, but I absolutely believe that he deserves it. And I know uh, I, I've seen Tom's numbers and what Tom has been able to do in Tampa. It's just it's absolutely remarkable. But, man, with ever since that first game against the Saints when the, the Packers obviously weren't really themselves, I feel like Aaron has just been on a tear. And he just is so efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over. And you always – I mean, I don't know if I'm biased or what, but whenever – if Aaron's in the lineup, I feel like the Packers are always in the game. No matter what the score is, no matter what's going on, you feel like, okay, they're going to turn it on. He's going to find a way to, to get a victory. And I just, every time I see him, I, I feel that way. So I absolutely believe that he should be the MVP this year. AJ, let's go to your side of the ball. For years, you were the, the leader of that linebacker's room, and the defense is going to have to come up big here. We've seen this 49ers attack week after week after week. You know exactly what's coming. It's Kittle, it's Juszczyk, it's Debo, it's Trent Williams, and it's the big boys pushing those linebackers around. Is this Packers team physical enough to keep that San Francisco offense off the field? Uh, they better be. I mean, they, they've seen it firsthand, I feel like. Obviously, here from the last time they played uh, the Niners in the NFC Championship game out in San Francisco. But that's why I think Shanahan does such a good job of, yeah, of course, they're going to try to pound the ball. They're going to try to be physical and, and win the line of scrimmage. But he's very creative how he gets to it with different personnel groupings, different backs. I mean, Debo Samuel, obviously, you never know. Like, what do you consider him when you're trying to identify the offense? Like, receiver, running back, slot receiver, XZ. Like, you never really know. This guy can do everything. So, I think Shanahan does a good job of keeping you on your toes and kind of thinking pre-snap if you're a defensive player. But then also, that once that ball is snapped, those dudes are coming downhill and they're trying to run you over. Yeah, AJ, now you, you've been a part of a Super Bowl winning team before you were a part of the Packers team back when they beat the Steelers back in Super Bowl 45. Since then, the Packers have not been back. From a player standpoint, how much do you crave another Super Bowl game after you got to that after you got that first one under your belt? Uh, that's a good question, Mike. First off, I got to let you know, man, the closest I have ever 
come to being concussed was trying to hit you on the sidelines at Ohio Stadium when we were in college. So, Mike, uh, credit to you, man. You have a rock-hard skull, and you know how to use it. So I appreciate you and what you do. I had to run into you. I had to run into you a few times in the NFL as well, but I still remember that shot. It was just a throwaway. I'm sure you don't even remember. I'm trying to knock you out of bounds. I hit you. I was like, geez, did I just get hit with 10 baseball bats right in the head? So uh, I respect that, Mike. I think it's awesome. But going back to your original thing, um, I think at least for myself, when we won the Super Bowl, it made me much more hungry to try to get more. I I definitely regret the fact that we didn't get any more during my time there with Aaron Rodgers at the helm. So I think it makes you more hungry because whatever happens, once you win the Super Bowl, it's like, all right, that's the standard. That's the goal every single year. Anything less than that is just a waste of a season almost. So I think it gives you more motivation to try to get more. Absolutely. Prolific cranium on Mike Robinson. Yeah. He's the first person to tell you. I mean, it is a massive Costco-sized skull, and, yeah. and he knows how to use it, AJ. But let's do this thing before you go or before traffic picks up. Um, let's go back to week three. <laughs> let's do the thing that you do. Packers went into Levi Stadium, take on the Niners. So San Fran takes a one-point lead under 40 seconds left in the game. Rodgers, right down the field, no timeouts, gets him to field goal range for the win. AJ, what's your gut? Do you think this game is going to be that close, come down to the last minute, or is it going to be maybe one side and just whoosh, the Packers go through them? I don't see it being one-sided, really. I think it definitely could be one of those close games, especially with the weather and what's going on. Let's see how much uh, wind and, and what it picks up. Also, like, what is the health of, of Jimmy G? We obviously know that mm-hmm. they say he's not going to be 100%. Yeah, of course, but is he going to be able to grip the ball and, and consistently be accurate, be an accurate passer? So I think that's a huge part of it. But, yeah, I look forward to be somewhat of a close game, uh, but I also look for Green Bay to find a way to win. AJ, I watch all these interviews with, with Rodgers and Pat and you, and everyone gives Pat and Rodgers all. You've got the one-liners. You just drop little things. You instigate. You stir the pot. You're the Ed McMahon. You're the Andy Richter. What's it been like in these interviews the past two years, getting Rodgers on every Tuesday with that three-box screen of Pat, Aaron, and AJ? Oh, man, it's been awesome. I mean, ever since I started doing the show with Pat, it's just my uh, – by far the favorite thing that I've done and that I get to do when it comes to like the media world and broadcasting, just get to be authentic and honestly just have a ton of fun. So it's awesome. Just, yeah, I think that's how we vibe, you know, Pat, obviously he is, he is in a perfect position, like what he does running the show, driving the show. Like he's such a high energy, awesome dude. And he's so talented. I get to kind of sit back and, and just play into what I think is funny. And I'm basically just trying to make myself laugh when, I, when I'm on the show and trying to, <laughs> trying to get under Aaron's skin. Whenever Aaron's on, I just want to say something to where he'll send me a text 10 minutes after the show and say that I'm out of control or that I got issues or that I need to cool <laughs> off or something and stop asking these questions. That's my whole goal. That's my whole goal, really, just to get that text from Aaron where he says, you got problems, man. You need to, you need to watch out. And then he talks to my wife a couple of days later and tells my wife to calm me down. So that's, that's really my whole goal. The goal is getting the you have issues post-text, which is unbelievably cool. We want to send you one 10 minutes from now. AJ, so happy for all the success you're having. Loved you as a player. Love what you're doing now. The true uh, family man meets the linebacker, meets the, the media god. We love you, AJ. Talk to you soon. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Joining us now is the former number two overall pick in the 1998 NFL Draft. He has an amazing story of redemption. He's become a motivational speaker and he has helped so many along the way. He has also been calling games over in London, being our ambassador for football over there overseas the last couple of weeks. Let's welcome to the breakfast table friend of the show, Ryan Leaf. What's up, Ryan? Ryan? What's up? What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me. Early morning here. Uh, the four-year-old is sleeping, yet I am awake. It's not usually the, the route we go, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Well, rise and shine. We love having you. And let's start off with your most recent project. It's called Bust, the Ryan Leaf story. And it's a 10-episode podcast that is about you and your rise to stardom at Washington State University and then the challenges you faced once you entered the NFL. I think this has to be a very, very tough topic for anyone to talk about. And yet you're there. It's the podcast. Tell us why it's so important for you to share your story and for listeners to understand what you went through. Well, it's it's different than any podcast you'll you'll listen to because it's there's no guests, there's no you know it's a it's a produced uh, piece. Uh, Kevin Connolly from uh, Entourage fame, uh, as as any of you guys are fans of that, uh, him and I became close friends, and and he helped me produce it along with my my partner Anna, and uh, and it's just been a passion project, right? It's seemingly what I do when I go speak to communities or when I go help former players or interact with that. It's, it's sharing my story because you can't keep this peaceful, unchaotic life uh, unless you give it away. I didn't understand what that meant when I first initially started it, but that's exactly the truth. I give it away in the hopes that somebody who might be struggling like I was doesn't end up in the same place that I was. That's the most important part. This podcast has really nothing to do with me has everything to do with with another you know flawed human being who's struggling and who just wants to be better it's so well said and i thank you i really respect how transparent you are about your struggles and your adversity and a lot of people are susceptible to this but you had extraordinary pressure on you when you got back into the league in 1998 now times are different there's different pressures maybe more pressure in some different ways how would you give advice or what would you say to young nfl players who might be dealing with some of those same challenges well i get a chance you know usually every year at the combine or jordan palmer has me come down and speak to his quarterbacks you know a couple years ago was with joe burrow last year trevor lawrence and and uh and so what I tell them is, is, is simply tell my story because there's something to be said about getting to where I got to. I was the second overall pick. I was expected to, um, you know, play well. Expectations were really high. So there was a there's some truth into how to get there and do it the right way. It's what you do when you hit a wall or when failure happens. I think if you witness what Trevor Lawrence did this year, I don't know if there was a more mature individual to have gone through what he went through like that adversity in my first year pretty much the same summed it all up right Kevin Gilbride was fired in about week five we saw Urban Meyer go that way struggled the rest of the season so did Trevor and then that final game right against the Colts he looked as advertised he put in that work all year long and I thought it was a great reward for him and his uh, his diligence to get to where he was at and I expect a lot of big things from him unfortunately you know for those out there that are Jags fans, it may be a systemic problem in Jacksonville and you better get it right 
when you hire this new head coach. Uh, as for other quarterbacks, I just I simply tell them to be themselves, to understand that they're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company uh, and invest in yourself. Everything you do to make you a better football player. And I think these young men that come into the league are so much more well-prepared than than I was in 1998, right? It took a special individual to be a successful quarterback. Just look at the guy who was drafted ahead of me in Peyton Manning. So uh, those are the types of individuals you want in your locker room, guys that can change the environment where even if a systemic problem is, exists, you make a difference. Absolutely, Ryan. The greatest marker of success is not, you know, how you deal with people and, and issues in, in times of, of success, but it's when times of adversity and how you handle that is the greatest marker of success. So you're absolutely right now. We're just days away from the divisional round with some of the league's best quarterbacks set to face off. Uh, two questions for you. Which quarterback do you have your eyes on and who do you think will be under the most pressure to take their team to the championship round? Well, my eyes have been on Joe Burrow ever since that Chiefs game. Uh, I just didn't think this team was, you know, primetime ready, ready for the big lights. And what they did and how they came back in that football game and how they made adjustments at halftime defensively. This team is ripe to do something special. Now, does he need more seasoning? Does he need another year? Or can he debunk that idea that a quarterback in his first opportunity in the playoffs can make a run towards the Super Bowl. I think he can. So my eyes are directly on him. He's one of the most accurate, poised, uh, um, you know, character-driven and leader that you can imagine. So the pressure side of this, it's a lot different. It's on Matthew Stafford. I'm here in Los Angeles. I've watched the Jared Goff era, and I watched them mortgage their whole team in draft capital over the next few years uh, to get this quarterback. Stats eerily similar to what Jared Goff produced in 2018. Todd Gurley was a big part of that. Um, what is this team if they go into Tampa and lose? It'd be the same kind of team they were a year ago, right? The divisional divisional round loss and and you wonder what's going on. The addition of Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. have raised the stakes for Matthew Stafford. Uh, if they can run the football, allow him to do play action. He is one of the best in the business. So it will be excited to see. I'll be excited to see how he performs this weekend against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think he has the most pressure on him of any quarterback out there. Brian, you're great at this. You're one of the best in the business. I mean it. You're so good at this. We could talk football all day, but somehow we have to stop and marvel that it's been 24 years since the whole world was asking Manning or Leaf, Manning or Leaf. I don't know how the time went away that quickly, but as we know, Colts take Manning, the Chargers take you. I think it's really cool. I don't know if everybody knows this. When Peyton was inducted into the Hall of Fame back in August, you were there. You joined him. Can you tell us about your friendship with Peyton Manning and what it means to you? Well, it's it's incredibly meaningful to me, right? Um, People don't understand the relationships that are built uh, inside a locker room or around football and the peer aspect of things. on the outside looking in, it's always fanatics and, and, and hoopla and stuff, but there's real personal relationships. Him and I met on a phone call while we were both in college, set up by our SIDs, simply because we knew we were going to be tied to one another for a long time. And his family's been amazing uh, to me and my family. And, you know, when it's all said and done, we're both retired football players, dads and broadcasters now. It's it's. 
it's funny to see we got that. Yeah. If you look behind me, I got, that was the gift that uh, he gave everybody mm-hmm. at his uh, hall of fame induction was his bobblehead. So that's, that's on the top of the stand oh. there. I just flick it when I walk by, when I head out the office, um, it, it, you know, special, special guy, uh, always asked him how he did it because I know how hard it was and how I couldn't do it. He just is a, a good pal. Um, and uh, I'm glad we stayed in touch. Right. I mean, he, he kind of kept it going because there's no way I wanted to talk to anybody while I was in prison. Uh, and yeah. you know, every once in a while I'd get a, a message from him, from his family to my family or something like that. <laughs> a little bit of keep your head up, you know, it's going to be okay. That's all we need sometimes when you're in the darkest places and, uh, you know, I applaud him and what he's doing and how he's accomplished everything in his life. Wow. That's special stuff. Ryan, we really appreciate you. We got to check out the podcast and congratulations on all the great things you're doing right now. And congratulations. And thank you for sharing your story. It's, it's, it's incredible work you're doing. Thanks. You guys going to be out here for Super Bowl? Yeah. Hope, so. Hope to see you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.